Today on the Idiot's Guide, we're talking about, are you in the market for a brand newish car, but not sure where to begin? We can help. And you know the saying, when life gives you lemons, uh, well, a, a lemon vehicle that is, there are laws that help you get a sweeter deal, like lemonade. But not if your lemon happens to be a golf cart. I'm your host, Adam Richardson, a.k.a. The Profit Hacker, and I'm joined by the man in charge, Mr. Joe Haslam. Welcome to the Idiot's Guide. All right, so I, I, I want to start this episode out by just kind of maybe admitting some of my own um, do's and don'ts that uh, that come with buying a car. And I, I'm not going to list off stuff. I have some information, and I'm going to talk about that as we, we go through our discussion here today. But uh, main thing is, is like, you know, just, just to kind of let people know, there is not a... Uh, a, technically, there's not really a right or wrong way about going about purchasing a vehicle. It's, you know, and I say that and Joe looks at me like, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the reality is, is that you can, you can get yourself into an upside down situation because you wanted that dream car, you know, the 1994 Mazda Miata that, you know, no one has, it's a limited edition, has red leather seating and, uh, and just so happens to have an engine blown. And you can't do anything about it because you spent $2,000 on a 94 Miata. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's more about the fact of when you are taking responsible steps and looking for a vehicle to purchase, there are some really good things that steer you in the best directions possible. And I say that's where that confidence about, you know, the the there's a there's a lot of options when you take those steps that come available to you when you're looking at purchasing a vehicle if you don't take those steps then yeah you're on your own and you're probably going to have a clunking junking piece of crap and uh and it's not going to last very long if it lasts at all and um you know, I have one of those sitting in my driveway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, some of the reason this came up is because I actually went and bought my 16-year-old daughter her second car now. Uh, she totaled her last one. Neat. Um, but uh, she's fine. Uh, but we just went and bought it. And oh, I, yeah, is she okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meant to be. <laughs> well, you know you've been around, but just to let the listener know she's okay. Um, but one of the things I was realizing as I was sitting in there, uh, buying the car, doing all this stuff, paperwork, she would have no idea if she went out and to buy a car on her own, how to do any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, she knows some of the basic stuff, you know, what to look for, but, and she is still 16. So she went with, you know, a car that she likes as opposed to one that's going to be the best for her. We'll get into that, but, okay. uh, when looking at all this stuff, she it two years from now, if she wants to go and buy her own car when she's 18 and use her own credit, her own money, all that stuff, she would have no idea. Now, she was in there seeing me sign paperwork. She was there. We were talking about interest rates and this and that. But 
the reality is when it comes down to it, there are very few instructional videos or how to's when buying a car. Yeah. We've got plenty of videos on how to turn down that car salesman, (laughs) but there's really nothing about what's the process. How do you go into it? What do you look for? All these different things. And so the whole idea is let's give you a little bit of the road that we've already been down. Yeah. To help you buy that car, our listener, as well as share some of our horror stories that we've been through. A little catharsis here. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as (coughs) buying vehicles, I've kind of had a mixed bag. I've purchased from private owners. I've actually made payments to individuals who are private sellers. I've purchased vehicles from dealerships um, and kind of... I've had vehicles that I owned and, you know, paid cash for. And I've had vehicles that at the same time I'm making payments on with a dealership. So I like, that's kind of where I'm at right now is I have vehicles that I'm making payments on and I own vehicles outright. So it's, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it's when it comes to buying vehicles, I've purchased a lot of them. (laughs) Not all of them have I financed. Some of them I have. Some of them I've haggled. Actually, a lot of them I haggle. Um, But I think, you know, the goal in what we're talking about here is to help our listeners um, be in the best position we can help them be in so that they can get the kind of vehicles that they want. And it might not be the dream car, like, oh, man, I want that Lamborghini. You're like, well functionality. Let's, let's just talk that, you know? (laughs) Now, just to be clear, my dream car, I do own my dream car. So I'm just going to be straightforward with that. However, my dream car is a Toyota Camry. (laughs) I am a nerd. There is no question about it. I am a huge car guy. I've, I've referenced, uh, top gear, grand tour, uh, all those. My dad's a mechanic. i helped him rebuild a truck when I was a teenager. I do love cars and fast cars, but mm-hmm. honestly, my dream car was always a Toyota Camry. I don't know why they're just, they're great. They're efficient and they don't <laughs> cost a lot of money. So I do own my dream car and it was actually great. So it was, I bought this in 2016. Uh, it was brand new. So I bought it brand new, the only brand new car I've ever purchased. And it was the special edition. Now, those of you who watch know that I like the color blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this special edition came in two colors. One of them was blue. So all of the interior, all of the lighting on the interior is blue. It's got the little blue thread piping around everything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I literally got my dream car, the all blue inside and out Toyota Camry. This is not an ad. (laughs) So everyone's dream car is a little different. My daughter, she wanted a truck. Her dream car was a truck. So we got her a truck. Fortunately, she hit some black ice uh, and the back end fishtailed. She didn't have anything in it. And so the weight distribution was just off. Uh, So that's how she totaled that one. Uh, And so her dream car switched from a truck to an SUV. This is not the girl that wants, you know, the really fast sports car, you know, the, the little tiny cars to zip around everywhere. She wants 
the big one. And when you say the big one, like an excursion, she didn't want anything that big, <laughs> but this is a 16 year old. She wanted a, an SUV with the third row seating. Okay. So she There's wants not very fit. many with like, that, that, no. that's a full size. Yeah. She, she wanted the big one. And so, yeah, she, that's what she went for was one that had that full third row seating, the, the big back end. Uh, my other daughter wants a Mustang. That's her dream car. So yeah, everyone's dream car is different. And so you have to look at what do you want and how do you get there? I'm kind of in this limbo right now with mine. So I have a fuel efficient car and I, before it, I had another fuel efficient car. Both were kind of sport coupe um, stuff. The one before had a turbo in it. So it was a little bit zippier, but um, you know, I, I, the one before it had been many years since, since I had actually purchased from a dealership and I had purchased that one from a dealership and I was like, I'm never not using a dealership. It's like, I hope, I mean, obviously like financial situations, but it really takes a lot for you not to be able to work with any sort of dealership. They literally take anything. And the reason why is because you will pay Lots, lots and lots and lots. <laughs> like, so no matter your situation, you could have the the nastiest FICO score, credit score, and they're still going to take you because they know they can charge an interest rate. You just better make a whole lot of money because your payment is going to be three times the amount of a normal car payment. So. Well, I would challenge you a little bit there. It's not going to be three times more uh, if you've got a high interest rate. So it more depends, and, and this is something, you know, when you're talking about financial matters when it comes to loans and things like that, with a short-term loan, like a vehicle loan, where it's four, five, six years, it really matters a lot less, the interest rate, when it comes to your payment, than the term of the loan. Yeah. So I did an example here. So I've got, so you buy a $10,000 vehicle. So this is maybe your first vehicle um, or, you know, an older used vehicle, Uh, a four year loan. I've got three different payment options. So a 7% interest rate, which is about normal for what it is, used to be three. That was nice. Mm. Um, That was a few years ago before (laughs) all the Fed rates went up. Uh, 12% interest rate and a 25% interest rate. Okay. Okay. The difference in price. Now this is a four year loan. The monthly payment, the difference between the 7% and the 25%. So that's more than three times the interest rate. Yeah. Okay. You're looking at a difference of about $92 a month. That's it. From a 7% to a 25% interest rate. What are the term differences? They're all 48 months. So all 48 months. The only difference is the interest rate. From a 7 to 25, you're going to be paying, uh, like I said, about $90 more. That's it. So it's really not, the interest rate really isn't the scary thing. Now, if I tell you, so if I go through the terms, now on an older car, I don't like to do anything more than four years. Uh, On a newer car, if you can get an 84-month term, do it. Oh, yeah. Like, And and even then, I I think for mine... I did, like they start. They won't. They won't look at anything less than sixty. 
Right. So, which is five years. Five years. And so, um, if, if you're looking, you're probably going to be looking more like six, like a 72 month. Right. Um, but 84 is, is yes, especially that's... for vehicle pricing nowadays, that's a little bit more reasonable. It doesn't mean that you have to hold on to it like your grandma and grandpa used to do. Like that's, that's not the way our society works. It's just a way for you, you to have a vehicle ownership and, you know, and, and then when you're ready to get another vehicle, you just kind of start that process over again. Yeah, I did. Um, I think I did a, a six year, so 72 month on my Camry and I've had it for eight years now, nine years. I can't remember how long I've had it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, if it, it's lasted that long. So it's paid off. I mean, I'm not paying anything on it. It's mm-hmm. still doing great. Uh, so the idea is on a newer car. Yeah, get that as long as possible. I wouldn't do longer than four years on an older car because you don't know how long that car is going to last um, and whether there are going to be any issues with it long term to, to make it harder. Yeah. But that gets the payment low. So if we look at a 7% interest rate, okay, so the difference in payment from a four-year to a three-year. So if you do a three-year loan at still same 7% interest, Okay, you are going to be paying uh, $70 more a month. Okay. So over three years as opposed to four years. So the same difference in an over tripling of the interest rate is what you're going to get for reducing it by 12 months on that payment. So now you're going to be paying less in interest. So on that one, you'd be paying... About overall, about $380 less in interest over the entire course of the loan. So that's one month's payment mm-hmm. in interest that you're going to be paying more by having a shorter term. Okay. This is what I'm saying. The, the longer the term, the better it is. It has more of an impact than the interest rate on any scenario. So I'm curious about like... The, the financing side of it is is one thing. And I know you're a numbers guy. So this yeah. is like, I eat this stuff for breakfast, you know, because you do. <laughs> yeah, I do. This is what I do. People ask me every day, should I uh, lease this car? Should I buy this car? Because business owners are always looking for right. uh, cars and everything for, you know, salespeople or for their own business, whatever. And so this is a very common question. Should I finance? Should I buy outright? Should I lease, et cetera? If I finance, what rate should I get? So this is a conversation I have regularly. You know, and over the course of the last four years, so actually pre-pandemic, so COVID kind of made some mess of some things. <laughs> um, but um, in 2019, MSRP pricing was, um, average discount was about 25, a little over $2,500 under MSRP, Okay. That was a that was a situation where it was a buyer's market. Buyers could walk in and basically say, "I am I'm willing to pay this much for this car." Okay. Fast forward past a pandemic, and all of a sudden our coastline shuts down. We can't get semiconductors, and everything. All of a sudden, the supply and demand issue starts having a problem, and you start looking at the fact that most dealers, if you're lucky, it's not a thousand dollars over MSRP right now. And so, you know, it, it's it's really turned into a seller's market where they sit there and tell you the price and fold their arms and they're not going to negotiate. Yeah. There are still things you can do though 
to better that. So, so now, knowing the numbers is part of that, but before you get into that, I do want to say, now this is the reason it's, they're not just jacking up the prices because they can. I want to be clear. The reason that those prices are higher right now because supply is low is because people like me who have cars that are paid off, my car is a nine-year-old car. I could go to any dealership and I'll tell them what price I want them to give me for my car. Right. Because they need stock. So they're looking for anyone who has their cars paid off or close to paid off that's a car in demand, like a Toyota Camry, and they will pay out the no. So I'm in charge of that sale at that point. So I'm going to the dealership and I'm saying, this is how much I want for my car. And then they have to turn around and sell that to the next consumer. And so that's why the prices are higher, just because it's a seller's market for used vehicles. Right. So that's the re reason prices are higher. It's not because dealerships are trying to take advantage of you. It's just because their their costs of acquiring are higher right now. And that is a that is a major factor. Right? Yeah, it's it's cost of acquiring vehicles, but also you know construction of the new vehicles when you're when you're wanting something straight off the line. Right. It's still the prices still are significantly higher just just from the manufacturer, and so you're 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 always kind of playing this negotiating game. But recently, as of last year, uh, last May, um, there was note that said basically the average discount now is about six hundred dollars under MSRP. So that's a good sign. That means that it's it's gotten better. That doesn't mean that across the country this is what you could expect anywhere. You could still have a really hard market where somebody, you know, somebody is just like that 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 economy in that particular city isn't there yet. And so you still have, you know, the vehicle pricing there that's going to be different than, you know, buying it from Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, like it doesn't matter. And it's just one of those things to consider is that the kind of market that you're in puts it, you know, it's, it's perspective when you walk in there to have a little bit of adjustment in your expectations because the terms of negotiations has has gotten stricter it's gotten more difficult yeah. um, or tighter and that's that's not a bad thing it's just you know i mean these some some good things to do before you even know that you know this is the vehicle i'm buying and this is what i'm this is my loan and this is my term you know those are really really good aspects of this, but there are some things that can position you so that when you show up to a dealership or show up to purchase a vehicle, you have leverage to be able to negotiate. Um, one of those things is research the vehicles. Um, I don't know, I, I honestly, unless even a, even a private seller, a private seller is listing it somewhere. That's how you found out about it. Unless you drove down the road and saw, ooh, I really like that car with the for sale sign in it. You know, there's a chance, but, you know, like that's the few and far between. But even you have a marketplace on Facebook. You have local car listings, newspaper listings. We have an advertisement, uh, you know, through one of our news stations here that's like basically a Craigslist. But you have Craigslist. You have, you have lots of options for if you're a private seller. There are also dealerships that use those platforms as well to add to their already moving advertising campaigns. They advertise on those on those platforms. Yeah. But um, um, 
getting on and seeing and doing the research, knowing, hey, ooh, I want that Toyota Camry, yeah. you know, and I want it in blue. And I want it to be special edition, you know, like it's, it's limited. So let me see here. That one's blue, you know, like, so you really have to start looking and refining that search. Well, you know, going on to your favorite website, I remember when the Broncos were not quite out yet and uh, the new ones, man, I went on to their interactive website and I built the coolest looking transformer looking Bronco. And I was like, that's my goal car, you know, like. And then I'm I'm like I, I find out I was like well crash tests they actually failed <laughs> so yeah miserably so they're they're not really functional like as far as the vehicle I find out they have four cylinder engines in them I was like that's not a Bronco okay I like no matter what you say I don't care what you call it you just took a took a Bronco frame and stuck a Geo Metro engine in it like that is terrible tech these days a four cylinder will cut it but it's just it's hurtful. And the way you feel that is when you're trying to go 80 on the freeway, you're going to feel that engine trying really hard uh, to move those massive tires. Like that's where, you know, unfortunately you've worked it's, on cars. I've worked on cars. It is part of the equation. The weight to power ratio. Yes. That's really important. Yeah. You've, you've got to be able to look at that. So looking at features, looking at what you want and having a good idea, looking at locations that may have those options so that you also know where you're looking, you're, you're, you're targeting. Yeah. So if it's a dealership, if it's, you know, anything like that, you want to be able to go like, I want this car that you have on the lot. Yeah. And if always finance, even if it's through a personal uh, purchase, through an individual, you can go to your bank, you can go to your credit union and get an auto loan, even if you're buying it from an individual. Uh, and it's a little bit kind of a difficult process when you're working with the bank directly because you don't have that dealership that's doing all this work for you. Um, but it works just the same. So you can get that loan, you can finance it, whatever you need to. And honestly, so. you can, you can, do what the dealership would do if you went in and you were talking to the dealership. You can do a safer credit pull with your own mm -hmm. bank. So if you if you work with a bank, you don't have to work with your bank. You can go into any bank and do this because yeah. they will, you know, like that's that's basically what a dealership is doing is shopping your credit around to the the highest bidder who's willing to work with you. And <clears throat> but getting pre-approved is really really helpful. That that gives you a clear understanding of what you can afford. Right. And, you know, so that you're not getting your hopes up about that dream car that it's just not, it's, it's out of reach right now. So I don't, I want to go into this going like, well, you know, I maybe, maybe at the same time, it also gives you a little bit of negotiation power, especially seeing some of these discounts under MSRP that you're looking at, uh, you know, trade in for, for, for whatever. Like if you're, if you're going into a dealership with a pre-approval of, of a certain amount, you can walk in and, and say like, look, I can't get any more than this. And they will work with you on that Yeah, because you already have basically cash in hand for them. That's, that's 80% of the work after the say, after, after you say, yeah, I want that one you've already done all the rest of it. So you walk in and you're like, who do I sign the check to? That's it. Right. That's, 
that's a that's a dream for a dealer <laughs> for for a car salesman like they're like you mean i i don't have to do anything you're like you just yes and, and honestly if they cut it down by a thousand dollars on the price of that car that's a win for them because yep. they either take that thousand dollar less today and have cash in hand for that vehicle or they have to wait another two months, three months for that vehicle to sell at the price that they're listing it, which all yep. that time they've got that lot, that spot on that lot filled that they can't put another vehicle in there and that may sell better. It's that opportunity cost that they're losing if they don't take that offer, even if it's a thousand dollars less. So that's where coming in like that, it is really, really great to be able to just say, here you go. Another part of that planning is also knowing your trade-in. If and this this may not apply. Let's say you know with your your daughter um, and one and she wanting a particular vehicle because she no longer has another one. You know, like that's it's not the same scenario. But if I'm driving my car and I want a different one, I have a trade-in that I could I get to walk into the dealer and be like, "What do you take for this?" Well, instead of me walking in going. I hope you'll negotiate with me on this. I want to know how much my vehicle is worth well in advance to being at that dealership. And the reason why, and there's lots of different ways you can do that. Kelly Blue Book is one. Um, actually, where I got a lot of this information is a website called Edmunds. Yep, Edmunds is a great one. Okay, great, great. Uh, they have a br- appraisal. It's a free tool. Mm-hmm. You go, you go in there. You basically fill out the criteria. Most vehicles are you know, are, are considered basically clean or fair category. There are very few that get outstanding unless you just bought it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and along with that, so dealerships will a lot of times use Kelly Blue Book as the value. Banks and credit unions actually use a site called NADA Guides, N-A-D-A. Yes. Yep. And so when they're doing the financing, when they're looking at the value of the vehicle, the credit unions go to NADA Guides, not KBB, Kelly Blue Book. Yeah. And so that's a really important thing to recognize. If you go to Kelly Blue Book and it says it's worth $5,000 and you think everything's great, and then the bank says, no, it's only worth $4,000, it's because they probably used NADA guides uh, to be able to look at that. And so look at all the sites to get all of the pricing that, they, that each of these sites value it at. It's like the three different credit scores, you know, whether it's TransUnion, Equifax, Experian, whatever, Mm -hmm. all the different ones, they give you a different credit score based on your region or different things that they track. And so each one of these sites, Edmonds, um, Kelly Blue Book, Nada Guides, they track different things. So it's always important to get the value of your trade-in from each one. And uh, I I think one of the things that I I should mention from from previously is not only do you have this trade-in but uh, oftentimes, like even even Edmonds does what they call an instant offer. So they'll uh, they'll they'll give you what your trade in value is, but then they'll kind of put themselves in a position as a dealership and say, well, this is what the instant offer would be, um, and that's because of the demand for used vehicles out there. You have that leverage, so you yeah. know. Personally, I would hesitate to use anything like that. I've never used those. Um, I've had some bad experiences with similar programs, obviously not through any of these three sites. Um, but I would hesitate to do something like that uh, just because you may end up getting dinged later down the road. So just keep that in mind. 
I think one of the things that I'm I more emphasizing in that is is just perspective, not necessarily for you to take any sort of offer from those yeah. those those scenarios because this gives you the opportunity to walk into a dealership knowing okay I'm pre-approved I'm I know what vehicle I want and um and I know how much my 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 trade-in value is so now I know I, I'm I'm in a really good position because I have all of the cards that you're going to use against me if I'm negotiating at the dealership for this and you know and I and I'm not trying to paint a car salesman you know, as this bad guy. However, car salesmen are always notoriously this way. And so it is, it's part of the training to be, to be in that position where you have to negotiate and you have to always be in the mindset for the dealership, not for the buyer. Well, and it's not only that, but any job is that way. We, we paint car salesmen as this, you know, typical bad guy, uh, image of they're trying to take advantage of me and all this. They're going to try to get the best deal for themselves. Everyone does that. Yeah. We're always doing that. You go to the store, you're going to look for what coupons you can get to get 50 cents off that can of corn. You're looking out for yourself You at your job. You're going to be somewhat cutthroat, hopefully not too cutthroat, mm-hmm. but you know, you're going to try to excel. You're going to raise yourself above everyone else in your job performance so that you get the raise, so that you get the promotion. That's what we all do every single day. Mm-hmm. It's just car salesmen are the only real uh, encounters that we have where we're coming face to face with this interaction yeah. on a regular basis where everyone deals with this. <laughs> and so we we paint them in this this negative light. They're just, the higher sale they get, the less they negotiate that price down, the more commission they get, the more they can pay for their household budget. That's what it's all about. It's just like the rest of us. We're just looking for, to be able to take care of ourselves. So one of the things to do, and I I, I thought about this is you can also, like with with vehicle history and knowledge and knowing about trade and value is something called Carfax. Mm -hmm. Carfax gives you kind of like, if I was a terrible car maintainer and I never changed the oil and I just drove it into the ground and when I went to go trade it in, you know, the oil and the engines, you know, close to like churned butter and uh, <laughs> that would be terrible. It would seize the motor. But <clears throat> but the, the, my thinking is this, is that, you know, like if I didn't take care of the vehicle, rotate the tires, all those sorts of things that are essential just to make sure that the vehicle is maintained, then my value of my vehicle is not going to be great. And also, if I did take care of my vehicle, every single time you go to take care of something, like you go to a car shop, they always check your VIN. The reason why they check your VIN is because your VIN is registered in vehicle identification number. That's what VIN stands for. And essentially, it is a registration number that makes sure that that... It's kind of like our social security number. Right. Carfax basically tracks the VIN. And anytime you have it in a repair shop, it's going to have that information on file so that you can pull a Carfax record and see 
this vehicle has been maintained quarterly or, you know, every five years. <laughs> yeah, it's got all the records of any time it's been serviced, oil change, title changes. So yeah. I've got 10 criteria that I always look at when I'm looking at a car uh, that I'll get into. But two of the criteria come from those Carfax reports. Yeah. The number of previous owners and damage history. Yeah. And it's great because of Carfax, as soon as there's any damage on that car, it'll go through. Now, you can buy your own Carfax report. I think it's $45 right now, last time I checked, uh, to get a single Carfax report. Uh, most dealerships, they have a subscription with Carfax. So they just get a Carfax on every single car that they have. Yeah. And you can just, it's in the link for on, on their site when you're looking at cars. You can just download it. I literally have had my car for now three years. And I just chucked the folder. It was in the back of one of my seats. Like, yeah. it's it's not necessary to hold on to it. I just, it was there. And yeah. I didn't need that section of my car. <laughs> so yeah, you always check it. And you're looking at how many service uh, uh, visits are there on that vehicle? How many owners has it been through? Uh, where has it been? Yeah. Uh, has it been in the same state? Has it been in a state where there's a lot of cold weather, where there's no cold weather? You know, because all of that impacts how that vehicle will last. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to look at all of that history when you're looking at those Carfax reports. Carfax is a great company, not a sponsor, but they are a great company. But if you would like to, Carfax. <laughs> we'll take any sponsors that are willing to sponsor us. Well, within reason. <laughs> Jiffy Lube. No matter how much you beg us, we will not let you be a sponsor. <laughs> okay. So um, one of the other things is you get to this point where you've done your homework. You've kind of prepared yourself. You are now a financially responsible human being with a good perspective about your value, you know, now, granted, it's not self-value, but your, your own vehicular value. <laughs> Hopefully you okay? have self-value. Hopefully you do have self-value. Um, but, okay, now you're getting to the point where you've, you need to locate and then talk about a test drive. Now, now yeah. before we get into that, I do want to jump into my 10 things here. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was actually going was, I was to say that. So okay. go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. I jumped the gun on you. You're good. <laughs> All right. So when we went and bought, fortunately, my daughter is very similar to me. Uh, and so she was comfortable with this process. But I had her pick out six cars or there, we had a list of cars. She picked out six uh, that she liked. She picked her top three. Uh, and then I picked three cars that I liked. And so we had a total of nine cars that we were looking at to see how they all stacked up against each other. Mm -hmm. you know, they all had similar characteristics, all this. So here are the things that I look at, the year. So newer gets a higher score. So what I do is I put these all into an Excel spreadsheet. And then each one of these categories, I do the rank formula for <laughs> these against each other. So uh, ranking one to nine, a one would be the newest, a nine would be the oldest. Uh, price, so the lower the price, the better ranking. Uh, mileage. So how many miles does it have on it? Uh, the higher, the lower, the ranking, the, uh, lower mileage, the higher, the rank, uh, and then miles per gallon. So I compare city highway and combined. So there's a formula on how to get the combined. I think it's 70% weighted for, uh, city driving and 30% highway or something like that. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then each one of those are individually ranked and then consumer rating. 
So the consumer rating, I get that from JD Power and Associates. So they have a really nice ranking. And these are people who have owned these vehicles who have submitted their rankings. So these are real, these aren't tests. These aren't anything. These are real consumers who have said this is how they feel about this vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it's by year, by make, by model. Uh, safety rating. Uh, and that comes from the NHTSA, I think is what it is. Um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Uh, and so they rank it out of five stars. So a five star will get obviously get a higher ranking than a four star. Fortunately, my daughter didn't pick anything less than a four star safety <laughs> rating. Uh, the number of previous owners and the damage history. So each da- record of damage history is an extra point. So if it has no damage history, it's a zero. And that obviously ranks higher than something that has two accidents in its history. Yeah. And then if it's they rank it moderate um, or uh, minor, moderate, and severe damage. And so a moderate gets two for every, severe gets three for every. So that way there's an average ranking across all these. Mm-hmm. And so what I do, so I <laughs> literally rank all these, and then I sum them up and divide by 10. So I take the average of their ranking, and these nine cars, then I am able to rank as their score in their <laughs> average rank. Okay. And so fortunately, when my daughter did this, her favorite car, the one that she really wanted, ranked the highest. Well, that's good. Which I thought was weird because it's a G- it was a GMC uh, something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, An SUV we- would be like a Sierra or a uh, GMC... Uh... Terrain. It was a GMC Terrain. Okay. So we didn't go with that one. We went with a different one. Because uh, when we got there, it didn't have the third row seating. Um, Deal breaker. It was for her. Yeah. Um, but when we got there, <clears throat> test drove it, didn't have the third row seating, so we just had to go with a different one. Fortunately, I, mean, I don't know why a teenager's like, well, I, I, you know, I have lots of friends, and I want to transport them all. You're like, okay. <sighs> all right. <laughs> um, but we were looking at, you know, when comparing, we were looking at Fords. We were looking at um, other cars that you would typically rank higher in my thinking, GMC, I always think of, oh, that's not a great car. You know, they don't have good safety records, all this stuff. And then when it came back and that GMC terrain was the best vehicle on the list, like, wow, I, uh, Hondas were on the list as well. Mm-hmm. I really was surprised that this GMC actually came back as the best compared to the ranking of all the other ones. Yeah. And so it, you never know a car, a, a manufacturer or a year may have a bad history or a bad image in your mind, but it may not actually be true. And so looking at all this data, looking at all of it, you really get a good picture. Now she decided to go with something different. It's actually older, um, higher miles. So it ranked pretty far down the list. But then when I took out those known factors, so she wanted it older, she wanted the, uh, she didn't care about the mileage. So when I took out some of these older factors and I just looked at safety, consumer rating, uh, histories, so the number of owners, the damage history didn't have any, uh, it actually ranked second, another GMC. Hmm. It was a GMC Acadia this time. <laughs> it ranked the highest. Yeah. It ranked even better than the the terrain that we were looking at. And so I was really surprised after doing all this analysis on it that 
came through that it would actually be a really good car. And the the consumer rating is how reliable it is, uh, how long it lasts, all this stuff. Yeah, they they equate like mileage, gas mileage. Yeah. So yeah, know. they do. The it's a really good consumer. How many index. cup holders? Or just kidding. No. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so those are the 10 things that I look at and I really go in depth. I'm a nerd. I've, I've mentioned this many times before, um, but I build spreadsheets for fun. Uh, and so by putting it all in, I actually got what will likely be the best car, the safest car, the most reliable car for my 16 year old daughter. So I think what's good is like on the finding the Acadia and, and saying, okay, well we want to go and, we want to test drive this vehicle. Uh, obviously, that's that that's that's pretty much a given. Unless you're buying like an old Model T that you're not going to touch, it's going to be delivered on a trailer, so the wheels don't ever move. Like, yeah, that's that's the only time I would say you don't need to test drive it. But other than that, you should absolutely test drive your vehicles. And and that being done, like how you how you do that is. Again, there's there's kind of like this dance that you begin. You have all of these things that you've done your homework to prepare. I am officially ready to let the world know now I want to buy a car. Little did you know, like most everybody does this completely backwards, goes to the dealership and says, I feel like I should buy a car today. And that <laughs> that salesman's like salivating. Oh yeah. Because you just landed into a shark, your chum. That is what you are, okay? <clears throat> and and they're, they're looking forward to it. So, you know, in this sense, you've done all of this homework. The way that we're recommending is really, it positions you quite well. And you know more about that so that when you walk in, you're not going, you know, ooh and aahing from all the benefits that the dealer might be touting about this. You're like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I already know. Don't worry about it. You're wasting your time. Let's go to the test drive. So part of the ways you can do that is contacting uh, the location that has this, making sure they have that vehicle that you're looking for. It's not, it hasn't been reserved for something else or it hasn't been sold off the lot since they listed it or something like that. But, and then schedule a time to be able to go and do that test drive. This is more formal than the dealerships usually operate in but they absolutely accommodate that for the sake that you are now a serious contender for that vehicle. And what is the one thing that they want to do? They want to sell the vehicle. So, um, so years ago, I actually, so we bought a, a, a Highlander. Um, this was uh, gotta be like 10 years ago. Uh, but we were looking at that one specifically. We found it online called the place that sold it. Uh, it's a place that we bought cars from many times before. But we called up and said, hey, this is the one we want to look at. And they've got five different locations. Well, we didn't realize it was at their Wyoming location. <laughs> and so we call, hey, we want to look at this one specifically. That's the one that my wife wants. And so they said, well, that's up in Wyoming. You know, we said, well, can you bring it down? Oh, well, we're not sure. And he said, well, let me get some financing information, see what that. So we gave them our name. They looked up our credit score. We'll have it down there for you to be able to view whenever you want. <laughs> and it was great because, you know, they knew that by looking up our financial credit score. Oh, yeah, we were going to be able to afford that car. That's the car we want. We've done the research. They know we're going to buy that car. Yes. And so they will drive it down so that we can look at it. So they had it down there in two days. We went up there and looked at it and we bought it. Yeah. 
that's the power of doing the research. Yep. Don't, don't just show up on the weekend on a busy, you know, sale event and think that, you know, they don't have the cards, you know, they, they do, they absolutely do. And so being able to do this homework ahead of time uh, helps you to have more of a prepared and mindful decision about your future vehicle for the next foreseeable future, you know? And salesmen can be very helpful. Again, we always give them a negative connotation here, but they can be very helpful. So this example with my daughter, we went there, we looked at the car, didn't have the third row seating. Mm -hmm. Well, she told the salesperson that we were working with, this is what I'm looking for. And so he's like, well, we just got a car in recently. Um, and I think it had been there maybe a couple of weeks, which for car guys, that is recent. Um, and they're like, okay, so we've got this one. Uh, it's a bit older. It's a lot cheaper. Do you want to look at it? I'm like, okay, we took it for a test drive. She liked it. It's obviously a little bit more rundown. So this is the one that we actually bought. Mm -hmm. um, but she liked it. She liked the features. It ran well. Everything looked good. Well, we talked to the salesman afterward. He's like, all right, so can we run numbers for you? No. I haven't done my research on this car yet. <laughs> and so you don't buy until you've done the research, even though he, he showed us this vehicle. It's the one we ended up buying. And it ended up turning out really great. Now, again, he was a good salesman. He knew what we were looking for, helped my daughter out, get the car that she eventually bought. Uh, but you don't buy right then. Here's another good point in this right now is, is if you're in that situation where you've found a vehicle that you want and they're, they're like, oh, let's run the numbers, um, you know, maybe working with the dealership, you're kind of in that position where, you know, I, I remember years ago when I was, I was, I was first doing this, I had a bankruptcy in my past recent. And so it was something that I knew was going to govern my qualifying. I was like, well, I don't want to go around trying to find a bank that would talk to me. So I, you know, I had them run those numbers, but it wasn't before I knew what I was doing. And, and we live in a day and age right now where technology and information is at our fingertips. So if you find a vehicle that you want and you're in that position before you say, oh, let's start running numbers, go get dinner. Yeah. Sit at that table, get on your phone and you can do everything we just talked about with, with that. Even if you ask them, Hey, can I have the, the, you know, a couple pieces of this VIN so I can go do my research on this vehicle right here. And they'll, you know, that they're going to, they're going to accommodate if they don't, then, you know, like you can go to the lot and look at the VIN number yourself. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's right there. Um, but, but we, we live in a day and age now where just going down the street to a McDonald's sitting there, preferably somewhere <laughs> you can think clearly and not a McDonald's, but, uh, but going to a place, a cafe, sit down, get a cup of coffee or cocoa or whatever you drink and, uh, and go over these numbers, go over this information so you can go back knowing that is now an informed decision moving forward. Yeah. And some salespeople will tell you, oh, these cars are going fast. Someone else is interested in it. They never are. Yes. Cars do not go fast on these lots. Now, some do if it's, you know, something that's really popular, really, there's a lot of hype behind it. Just like anything, that'll probably go pretty quick. Um, but, you know, you're probably going to pay a premium on that and you're going to pay a lot more than you should on a car that has a lot of hype. So I wouldn't recommend that anyway. Uh, but no one's going to come in and steal that car from under you. Take the time. 
So we took two days. So we went back up two days later uh, to actually buy the vehicle after we'd done the research, made sure every thing looked right, all that. Uh, Take the time. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be sold out from under you. Some dealerships, now this one didn't, but some dealerships, you can even put a down payment on it or a holding fee and pay a little bit of money. They'll hold it for you until you're ready to make that deal. And most of the time that's refundable if you don't buy the vehicle. Yeah. And so the idea is, or it goes toward the price of the vehicle if you uh, do buy the vehicle. And the idea is, you know, you're holding that vehicle, but you have to take the time to do the research. Right. You have to take the time. And it's a really, really big red flag if they don't want to honor that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing you can look at is check sale prices, check warranties. Sometimes these vehicles, not not typically a you know nearly 20-year-old vehicle, but uh, if it's within about five years, you still have some warranties that are holding on there. Yeah. And then um, the other thing is recalls. Um, I recently had one that um, I was, I was, I have a check engine light that comes on on my car and it's driven me nuts. Like it's, I hate it. Um, it it's just always on. And I'm like, well, I'll just deal with the fact that I have a check engine light on. Well, um, I went to the to the auto shop and they're like, yeah, we we've seen this with the, these vehicles and it has this issue. It's like a $1,200 repair. And I'm like, it's my vehicle is a 2019. So I bought it a year old. So it was, it was nice in great shape. I've had that check engine light on and off for the same problem for now two years. Mm. (laughs) So this is the other reason why it's advantageous to buy used cars. <laughs> so I rarely buy uh, anything new. So like uh, when there's a, say a new uh, software or a new iPhone or anything like that, I never buy it. Yeah. Because there are always bugs. There's always something. Well, and and this one, when I, when I talk to the shop, one, and the point of it is basically there might be a recall. Mine was a recall. I got a letter in the mail that said, hey, we've noticed this. This is on us. And so all I have to do now is take it over to a dealership and they will honor the entire repair. And I'm not out $1,200 because I don't have to take it to some humdrum shop that's going to try to do this work. So it's it's worth even even that information, like checking recalls, checking sale prices, checking warranties. These are all things that are going to benefit you in the long run. If you have a warranty that protects you for another two or three years on a powertrain and anything happens to that engine when it when it goes, you're covered. Yeah. You, you have the peace of mind knowing you're driving off the lot with something that's still protected for a number of years. And so that that's a really good deal. Um, I, I think the other, the other thing is... Um, look over all the numbers, look over all the information. And then I would say probably one of the last things to, to keep in mind is when you're closing the deal, when you're doing your paperwork, um, Joe, can you show the, the stack of papers? Yes. So I do want to go over, you know, this whole, I'll list what everything is in here, but we're running long today. Um, I'd love to go over like what's in these contracts. Cause it, it really is important to understand. So, our listener out there, if you'd like us to do that, leave a comment if you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> leave some kind of comment on uh, whatever podcast channel you're listening on. Uh, the comments help us. It shows engagement, but it also helps us to know what you want to us to talk about. Okay. Or we try to use our experiences. Or- <laughs> 
Um, but this is for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see just how much paper, and this is on a used car. This is on a 17 year old vehicle that all this paperwork is on 21 pages of paperwork. And that wasn't even there. That's just what I printed out here. I mean, there's the Carfax that was in with the stack of papers. There was a couple other things on the financing that was in there. I mean, this is just the finalized signed contracts. Yeah. It is a massive stack of paperwork that you have to go through. And it can be daunting. And don't be intimidated by that. That That is a process. I mean, if you look at like purchasing a house or leasing an apartment, all of them have stacks of paper that you are going through. And so it's it's normal. It's part of the process is you know, being very, very fully informed. And this, this, a lot of this is information that makes sure and confirms you're signing off that you have been informed about this part of the, the process, the financing, the vehicle facts, all of it. So, yeah. So these are the disclosures, the paperwork that goes along with it. The motor vehicle contract of sale. That's just one piece of it. Yeah. And that's actually only two pages. I think that's the smallest number of pages out of everything on here. The installment sale contract, the warranty, title application, odometer disclosure, insurance acknowledgement, transaction disclosure. So the motor vehicle contract of sale, installment sale contract, and disclosure uh, or transaction disclosure all have the same information, but you have to sign it three times because of how many times consumers have been tricked into... Uh, deals that they didn't know that they were signing. And so you have to sign all three different versions of it in order to make sure that you are covered. Um, now, some of these uh, are, so I think two of these are Utah specific states. Other states may have more paperwork that you would have to f- fill out. Uh, and then the last two are the maintenance agreement, which I always recommend. Always do the maintenance agreement. Mm-hmm. Always a good deal. Uh, cause that ensures that you're not going to Jiffy Lube for your oil change and that you actually get a really good oil change in my opinion. Uh, and then the gap insurance again, always one that I generally recommend is the gap insurance. I'd love, again, I'd love to go into more detail. We could probably do an entire podcast on just that disclosure and paperwork side of it. So if our listener that sounds perfect for a hot potato finance subject, reading contracts. Yes. That that's where I feel like <laughs> that's where I feel like that fits in. All right. Nicely. Well, <laughs> let, let's put it out to our, our listener. If you would like it at a podcast where you can see Adam falling asleep while I'm talking, or if you need something to just, go you guys to, won't see me. I'll be behind the camera the whole time they, recording Joe doing this. <laughs> if you want to something to fall asleep at night too, and you want a nice long podcast yeah. for that, then you know, yeah. let us know in the comments if you want to see this on the hot potato videos. I've got a whole list of hot potato videos that we will start doing again. <laughs> um, uh, it's just been you know crazy times. Uh, let us know. Put it in the comments. Put it in the uh, whatever chats. Anything. Just let us know which format you'd rather see that in because this could be you know these disclosures. I could go over each one of them in their own hot potato finance video. Yeah. Uh, so just let us know, you know, what you guys want to hear, uh, because we've been down that road. This is the whole idea behind Idiot's Guide. We've been down this road. We've bought a lot of cars. Not everyone has. Not everyone's been through the situations we have. And so we want to share our history of idiocy so that you don't have to follow that same <laughs> path. Um, 
so that you can learn from our mistakes. So let so, us know. So I have, I have four questions I want to answer real briefly, and then I'm going to move into our subtopic. But, um, but these are basically because of frequently asked questions. Um, the first one was basically, how do you go about buying a car? And we just unpacked that entirely mm-hmm. um, in a way that positions you to be in more negotiating power, at least feeling like you have some of those answers before walking in to try to haggle or negotiate. But know that 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 is the reason why you do that is so that you have some of that power and some of that strength when you go to talk about a vehicle and possibly negotiate that down in price, which overall is going to save you money. So these are things that will save you thousands of dollars in the long run. The other part of this then is um, how much do you need to put down on a car? So like a down payment, a good rule of thumb typically is 20%. But when you're talking about a $75,000 vehicle, 20% is a huge, that's a car loan in and of itself. Yeah. So you're not typically looking at, a, you know, 20% down. Um, the oftentimes if there is a down payment or let's say, for example, a car asks for, you know, a down payment. I haven't seen anything above 10%. Yeah. Typically I keep it around 10%, uh, depending on age of the car, like this one that we just bought, they're working on the financing. The financing has to go through, uh, because it's so old, traditional financing won't work. It's 17 years old. They don't mm-hmm. like, you know, credit unions don't like to finance that. Um, so they're asking for a little bit more, um, but I'm giving them pushback. Uh, I only want to go to 10%. If I go have to go to 20%, I can, um, but I really don't want to do more than 20%. I mean, that's yeah. my maximum cap. You should keep it around 10% uh, for that down payment. Right. Try to avoid doing any more than 10 and, and you don't know, understand, and, again, you have the power there. And that's what we're trying to do is make sure that you, you understand what you have. Start by offering five. Yes. You, yes. you start by offering five and then they'll take you to 10 and now you're at a good spot. Only with the financing, if there's trouble financing, if you have a bad credit score, if it's an older vehicle, anything like that, then you can go up to 20, but only at the financing side of it, not on the deal side of it. What is the cheapest way to buy a car? That one's pretty good, but for mine, I would say the rule of thumb is used. Probably not used from a dealership per se, because if you're still in the newer category, let's say you're less than five years, but you're still buying a used vehicle, right now those vehicles are at a premium on a lot. So you're still paying substantially for that vehicle, from a dealership. Yeah. So when you're looking at used, again, doing all the other homework really negates the purpose of a dealership in the first place. So you have negotiation power with anyone who is selling a vehicle. But you know, when I say anyone, that's that's in a position where you're not going to have, you know, Joe Schmo down the street selling brand new off the uh, off the factory floor vehicles. So their used vehicles is the cheapest way to buy a vehicle. Yeah, just know that when you're buying it from an individual, there's going to be a lot of extra process. You're going to have to title it yourself. You have to pay the sales tax to the state yourself. Yeah. You have to do all the registrations, all that stuff you're going to do your, yourself that you're paying when you go to a dealership, you're paying extra for that. Um, so just be aware of that 
yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Just understand what it's going to take when you buy it from an individual. Now, again, you can still go to it and get a loan. So it doesn't mean you have to pay cash when you buy from an individual. Uh, but it will take a lot of extra effort for a lot less money. So last question is, what is the best month to buy a car? Do you have a guess? Uh, personally, I would say probably the fall because I think all the new lines come out in, uh, winter and spring and people are looking for cars in summer. And so fall is going to be the off time. So December is, if you're buying a new vehicle, December is your cheapest because you're getting highest discounts off MSRP. Um, obviously because the brand new vehicles are offloading last year's models. Okay, so that's that's the reason why is their outgoing model year. Um, but when you're talking about used vehicles or um, or older older vehicles than just last year's models, you're dead on October November. The reason why is is for exactly that. They've gone through the summer for all of these big sales events, and they have this inventory left over, and um, it is time to liquidate. (laughs) Now I did not look any of it up before. I just know financial ideas. Adam specifically prevented me from looking at any of his information before we did this podcast. So I am really proud of myself at this moment that I got that dead on right. While Joe Uh, is shining. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things you can do all this homework, you can do all the work possible to be in the best situation or best position to purchase something for yourself. And it just goes wrong. And oftentimes that is called a lemon. When you purchase a lemon, you could purchase a lemon right off the lot. It could be a, a manufacturer defect that happened in on the installation line. And so with this, like, you know, what I want to emphasize is um, there was an individual that basically he purchased a golf cart and it was a lemon golf cart. And he purchased the golf cart for, I mean, this is a substantial golf cart in my opinion. I, I, I don't golf, so I don't have like, if I had like a huge property and I needed something to go check the mail, like maybe I would get one of these, but I'd probably still buy a quad. I, I, <laughs> I used to know uh, older people love to do this. They, they get their golf carts and they drive that to church on Sunday. That's how they get around. Uh, one area I live, there was... Uh, a few older people in the neighborhood. And so there, I think there were three golf carts every Sunday at the church. Oh, especially like a 55 plus community. I would totally be that dude. Yep. Like I'd have, I'd have a cane that I could just like nudge people with. Like, hey, <laughs> Hey Jerry, <laughs> yep. you know, but, uh, this, this situation, unfortunately with the golf cart, um, the motor in the manufacturing, something, Something was done wrong, contorted the flywheel, and it just just wrecked the engine, just seized everything. And so he w- he's been going back and forth with the, the supplier. It was a supplier out of Texas that he had purchased this from. And they were just, they, they weren't able to do anything. They weren't able to get anything. They're like, we need to replace the entire engine. And he... Uh, he acts, he, we, we have a local individual who kind of steps in. His name is Matt Gephardt. He's he's a news, uh, news anchor that goes and does these investigates and it's called get Gephardt. Okay. I personally have benefited from him. So I'm going to speak highly of him. Uh, uh my experience with him and his predecessor 
not so great uh, <laughs> from a consumer perspective. Uh, the, 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 in my experience, so two specific experiences that I have had, uh, that fly in the face of his, uh, consumer protection values. So I personally don't have a great view of him, uh, but for the media idea behind it and getting people to stand up, there is some value to that. If you have a good enough story, social leverage. I think that's that's the point is yeah. when you are when you have this this story about the lemon golf cart was um, a year long process that this guy has gone back and forth with the supplier and just saying like, yes, we have to replace the engine. And he mailed the engine back out to these people and they're like, well, we don't have an engine to send you. And like we, we, we still were waiting on parts. We're trying to get an engine. And eventually, because he included Gephardt, um, they, when Gephardt contacted them, they initiated, um, they just pulled an engine from one of their other models and sent it out to him. So, you know, since then, they've been really, really good, obviously. Like I said, social influence is, is really, really powerful. Um, and honestly, it's the truth is like businesses don't want a bad name. And this really puts a stain on a business. If you, if you just are running someone ragged and, and there's, there's no, there's no help there and you're just being a big business. Great. You know, so, you know, in in this scenario, it was a win. Okay. But, but I think the, the, the moral of the story is sometimes you can do all of the homework you possibly can do and still end up with a lemon. Yeah. The the reason this came to this advantage is this is a golf cart. An ATV, an off-road vehicle, something that climbs over rocks or crawls across finely groomed grass is not qualified under lemon law. Hmm. It has to be legally allowed on any state and federal highways. That is the... That is the permit. So even if you have uh, uh, a dirt bike that has mirrors, you're like, oh, it's street legal. It's not highway. Or like you can drive it on the highway, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be driving it from here to Boise. You know, you you might want to try it, but it's not qualified under the Lemon Law. It's an off-road vehicle. Interesting. And so that's one of the things. The other thing that I, I saw the wording of, and it's kind of interesting but they said that um, it's it's the the lemon law protects vehicles. I gotta see vehicles built for recreation are not covered. They're, yeah, they call them expensive toys. That's basically what they call them. I can't remember where 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 it says this, but basically it just said new vehicles that are. Legal, legally allowed to be on the on the highway. So, um, oh, there you go. The Lemon Law is designed to protect consumers who bought a brand new car that continues to have issues. So that being said, my mind immediately goes to that Acadia and says, "Is it considered a? Is it protected under the Lemon Law? It's it's highway legal, but." Yeah, do the laws only protect it if it's a brand spanking new vehicle? Because most of the vehicle class that's out there are not brand spanking new. Yep. So and this law then is limited to a very small group of vehicles. 
And this right there, those of you that can see <laughs> on the YouTube, there is a specific paper that I had to sign that said this is an as-is purchase. Yes. Which, unless it was exorbitantly bad, something that they did not disclose. So they knew that the engine was on fire and sold it to me anyway. Here's uh, your And told me that it wasn't. Uh, that's the only way that the lemon laws would protect me in that situation. Other than that, I take the warranty of knowing that this is an old vehicle. And that's it. If, if it dies, it dies. So it's always a risk when you buy that older vehicle, which is why you put some of these things in place. Yeah. Make sure you get, you know, like that. Um, You're trying to minimize the risk by doing this homework, by yeah. preparing yourself, even financially, you know, that this, this helps you to understand. If you know the history of a vehicle, even the Carfax information gives you insight into the future. If, if you see that... This vehicle continues to, I, I had a vehicle one time. I loved it. I sold it for dirt cheap. And, uh, but, but it, it had a rear axle on it. It was a Toyota Tacoma or not, not Tacoma, Forerunner. Okay. Mm -hmm. Old one, beautiful. Like nowadays, if I still had that thing, it would, I could sell it for gold. It, you know, like Toyotas yeah. go for everything. They're, they're magnificent, yes, but they are, um, so I had this vehicle and it would always on the rear axle would shred the rear axles. Well, I had a, uh, a connection with a yard in, in the area. They called it the Yoda yard, all Toyota parts. I literally would get an entire brakes, everything, the whole assembly from this, uh, from this Yoda yard for like 50 bucks. And I would just take the old ripped up axle to the Yoda yard and I'd, take the new one and slap it in and drive down the road for another six months till it shreds that one. And then I take it out and I was like, I should really work on the gears on this rear, <laughs> on this rear axle. But, but I, I like, this is cheaper. <laughs> and, and, and time, you know, the podcast that we did a couple weeks ago, knowing how to repair a vehicle is an important skill for little things like this. Yeah. Or, befriend a mechanic yes someone who will do things for <laughs> cheap or as a friend or anything like that fortunately my family's full of mechanics and so we've got plenty of resources there yeah i have like four or five shops that now i can just i can walk in and be like hey they're like yeah i was like can i help like work sit, sit by and do this so you know it's it's good to know those people and be a mechanic in my past so but that's also why I buy new cars is so that I don't have to be a mechanic. That's where I'm at. Like I, I buy mine now because I don't have to think like, granted, I'm going to do the brakes on my car, but yeah, the only reason why is because I know how to, and I know how much it costs to do those kind of repairs. Yeah. If it was an engine powertrain, something like that, that needed the attention, I would definitely not be touching it. I would send it in. Yeah. Um, but, but that being said, like, it's just one of those things that this stuff helps you to even know that so that you're not incurring more cost. Sometimes you'll get a lemon. And, and in those cases, your best bet is to disclose it, you know, try to get your, get as much as you can for that vehicle, um, you know, to, to basically end its life at this yeah. point. And, um, you know, hopefully it's not in a situation where you're getting a massive loan for that kind of a vehicle. Um, usually um, the the lemons of, you know, of, out of used vehicles, 
it it's really hard for somebody to to be that blatantly you know dishonest and sell it happens but but it's really hard for somebody to sell a vehicle that's that that much garbage and and quick story before before we end here i know we're going really long um but the truck that so we were the truck that my daughter had before she wrecked it we actually were looking at a truck before that one uh and i always make sure that as part of the contract it has to pass the emissions inspection so that is, I, I will go through all the financing, but that is an addendum to every contract that I sign when I buy a car, uh, especially an older one, mm-hmm. that it has to pass emissions. And so we bought this truck, did all the financing, everything was, was done. Uh, and then all they had to do was finish it up, get it past emissions, all that. Well, after two weeks, it still wasn't passing emissions. They had replaced a bunch of things in the engine to try to get it to pass uh, they knew exactly what was wrong with it, but no matter what they tried, they could not get it to pass the emission inspection. And so after two weeks, they said, sorry, we can't do it. Here's your money back. And and most good dealerships are going to honor it that way. We had a van that it took about two or three weeks. They actually were paying for uh, a rental for us for weeks on end while they were working on trying to get it back to, they had some brake issues and some engine stuff, some sensors that were doing funny stuff yeah. and they took care of all of it. I didn't see a dime to make sure that because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to sell you something that's just going to be an immediate problem. Yeah. They can't. And so, um, you know, that, that being, being, and, and, and that's some of the advantage of almost looking at some of the more capable dealerships, mm-hmm. as opposed to these little tiny, you know, manufactured building that has cars <laughs> surrounding it. And, you know, yeah. all the lights in the parking lot are run on generators, you know? Like, like, so <laughs> I, I will shout out. So that was Southtown Mitsubishi. So if you're in Utah at all and you're looking for a good dealership, again, they're not a sponsor. I just have good experience with these guys. Other ones, uh, this one that we, uh, and it was, I think Pablo or Paolo, I can't remember his name. I know it started with a P and it was a, a Hispanic name. Um, but he was great. He helped us through that whole process. He was awesome. Uh, we didn't end up buying the car, but well, I guess we did buy it, but uh, the contract canceled because they couldn't get it passed. Um, but yeah, Southtown Mitsubishi is a great one. Hertz Auto Sales. Hertz Auto Sales, always a great place. If you have one of those nearby, you're getting the low blue book value on those cars because they've made all their money off of renting them. Mm-hmm. They've had regular service and none of their salespeople are, are commissioned. And, and enterprises is, is essentially the same other than the fact that, well, if you want to right now, they're offloading their EV fleets. So if you want a cheap electric car, go check but out the car rental places. My family and I have bought, I think we're up to nine vehicles <laughs> from Hertz auto sales. Um, uh, the the first salesman that we were there, he was there for eight or nine years, every car we bought from him, uh, until he finally moved up in the company and he was no longer a salesman. He did our financing on the last few cars, uh, and then he did went up to the corporate finance, so he wasn't in the local office anymore. So Hertz, and then this most recent one was from Axio. Uh, and so they were great. Uh, it's my only experience with them, um, but they did really well you know, working on the financing, getting everything done. So those are three guard dealerships that I really like. Again, Hertz is probably my top number one favorite, uh, but finding older cars from them is a little bit more difficult. So that's why I obviously didn't buy it from uh, them for something this old. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so shout out to those guys, you know, and the salesmen, those places that work really hard for what they do. Good salesmen, really good experiences. Any dealerships that you've had a good experience with? 
Um, locally, Tim Daly. Yeah. Um, honestly, Colorado Auto Auction. I, I we we had one oh. of our best purchases there. They don't. They're not like a dealership, so you have to have your homework done um, to to get there. But we had we had that vehicle for years and years and years. It was it was fantastic. And I purchased. I have it's parked in my driveway because it was uh, it was a, a beat up. It's a Toyota Sequoia. But I got I got that off of an individual who got it from a Utah auto auction, and uh, it's I got it for dirt cheap. Like I could change the tires and sell it for six grand. You know, <laughs> nice. like that's that's what it's worth. So you know, for for that kind of stuff, it's it's definitely an older vehicle. But it's it's one of those things where like when you understand how these systems work, how vehicle purchasing works, it's you really start writing your own ticket. You know, so anyway, we have reached the end of our show. We must stop, Joe. We must, please. We're at like an hour and 15 minutes. I know. There's a lot to unpack on this, though. It's awesome. There's a lot of information that's needed. I like this. So life's too short. So keep laughing. Keep learning. Keep being prepared. 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 (laughs) And remember, idiots have way more fun. Check your shoes. (laughs) 